Welcome to the Net and Sarah Show, where we aim to touch, move, and inspire you every single week. Really? We're really going to introduce our own show? Maybe we should leave it to the pro. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. One second, ladies. Here we go. Sarah Maxwell and Natalie Cook are experts in visualization and deliberate use of the law of attraction. As dynamic world athletes representing Canada and Australia in beach volleyball, they honed in on achievement at the highest level. Winning an Olympic gold medal on her home beach of Bondi is a pinnacle example. Their powerful techniques transmute the spiritual to the tangible, allowing thousands of their community members to bring their vision boards to life. Recently, they've taken their expertise on the road as the full-time family, where they inspire, coach, and lead people to create their unique, deliberate family life using a simplified three-step process. Welcome to the Nat and Sarah Show. Join us for twice-weekly episodes. Each week, Nat and Sarah will teach us how to deliberately create results in all areas of life using their unique three-step process. Not only that, they'll also sit down with some of their favorite high achievers who have manifested what most merely dream about. Are you a member of the community? Go to bit.ly slash the Nat and Sarah Show to download your three-step journal to follow along with each workshop-style teaching episode and get ready to take action on your inspirations. Hey, Dream Team! In today's episode, we are really going to bring this all together. We are going to wrap it all up in a parcel for you. We have been through the pre-step, which was dream time. And we spoke about giving yourself the time to dream and even bring back some of the dreams you might have squashed or pushed away. We then, the conversation continued with Irene Miller. How awesome was that? We went into our first step, create your new life story and making sure that you see it in your life, you see yourself in the picture and you write and construct the story you want for your life. We spoke to Rob Nixon about that and the conversation continued with him and now he has reinvented himself over and over for his success. Step number two we called Act As If, and Sarah and I got into Controversial. a Controversial. Woo! Got into a little I bit. I won. About what we should call that, and clearly she won because I wanted Fake It Till You Make It, and then the conversation continued with Kathy Coover, and she knocked Fake It Till You Make It on its head. Didn't so, she? She said it's not about being fake. So I guess we called it Act As If, and then we went into step number three, which is mapping, planning, creating the how-to, but not just a one-dimensional piece of paper, but really immersing yourself in it and surrounding yourself with this full map, making it come to life. And when the conversation continued on mapping with Steve Anderson, he really um, introduced this idea of alignment and how there are so many different ways to get to a dream. There's so many different journeys. So it's all about asking yourself, how do you want the journey to be? And introducing that question that you actually are in charge of the quality of your dream journey, I think that was really special. So thank you, Steve Anderson, and um, our amazing special guests. So there are our three steps. Now we had a pre-step. We have to have a post-step. <laughs> so we want, to, want you to know now that all of this doesn't come together without this last ingredient 
which Sarah thinks is the glue to this whole process. And we came across this because I went to an accounting conference with actually Rob Nixon, who we've already heard from, and the theme of the conference was this topic. I'm I'm letting you hang on and hang on and hang on. The topic was FOCUS. And if you use it as an acronym, it is follow one course until successful. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean straight line, one course. No, and, and we really thought about this idea of the airplane. Even when you're in the airplane, you don't always understand this unless you're a pilot or know a pilot. And what I love um, in speaking with a pilot is this idea that They understand that they're taking off from one airport and landing at another one. But in between, their course is more about correction, course correcting, than anything else. And so even though there's turbulence and there's all sorts of mild adjusting steps... That we don't know about sitting in the seats. That's right. They're the ones with the map. Right. So that's what today is really about, this adhesive for the three steps, because... When we started to think about creating your own story and having the posture and and really acting as if and then being able to map it out, really put the the bones or the skeleton behind what you're creating, without focus, all of it gets left behind. And in a way, it becomes just another story in your life of what didn't happen. And I'm just going to introduce this idea that a lot of people have a history of non-trust with themselves when it comes to dreams and goals. They feel that as they look back on their life, what they actually seem to remember is all the times that they said they were going to do something and it never happened. So this is really about learning how to focus, follow one course until successful, so that you can start to reshape or almost like reconnect your relationship with yourself. Start trusting yourself that, hey, I want this. This is important to me. This is my purpose. You know, if anyone listened to Irene Miller's conversation about the villa in Tuscany, that relationship she had with herself and the fact that that was going to come to pass. I mean, she planted Italian trees in Perth, Australia. So even when they all died, she was like, whatever, moving on. So that's the kind of um, conviction we're talking about. So focus is really that glue or that adhesive that binds this whole thing together. And then you continue until, with that focus, you continue until you are in the picture of your dream. And it's actually reality catching up with your dream. So focus, and with that focus, you continue until. But Sarah, I'm going to share a story. Okay, wait. Are you, what story are you going to share? The vol- volleyball. My volleyball. No, 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 no. Hold no. on. We need to share something. We weren't meant to do this, but you just said until reality catches up. So if you're living in... Australia. Well, you actually know this too if you live in the United States or Canada, but there's a show called The Biggest Loser. And Nat was asked, along with her beach volleyball partner, to be a guest. So Nat wasn't there to lose the weight. Um, she was there to actually help the contestants. To be a trainer. To, I was a guest trainer. Yeah. Yeah. And so in she walks, so Nat, replay this moment, because I watched it on TV. So Nat walks into well, the scene with the trainers so yeah. that paint this picture. Yeah, well, if you've seen or heard of how they do TV shows, it's all for the camera, right? So the scene was set, the, the official trainers, um, Shannon, 
and yeah. the Commando and Michelle and I think Tiffany was Team White. And they were all standing there and our four guest trainers, one for each team, walk in and they introduce us. So I was probably six months out from the London Olympics. Her fifth Olympics. And and it didn't look good for qualifying, right? <laughs> At this point, it didn't look good. For the first time in my career, it was not likely. If you had money, you would not bet on us to make it. <laughs> so Shannon in the blue team says, introducing five-time Olympian. And, and about to head to the Olympic um, Games in London in 2012, and I Natalie Cook. And I haven't even made it yet, and I'm thinking, okay, so I have to act as if. I have to have that posture. I have to walk down there like it's already happened. And my half of my brain said, well, maybe he knows something that I don't. <laughs> so it really, after years of practicing this, the act as if, I was right there in it. It's like, cool, I'm already going to the Olympics. Now, the story, history has it that I did make it. Against all odds. And the thing that I love about that story is that I know a lot of people would be so busy feeling like they wanted to correct Shannon, set the record straight, make sure there's no pressure on them. Nat was getting messages of congratulations for qualifying for London, and she really held her posture and really demonstrated these steps, you know, acting as if and, and waiting for her picture to be in the London paraphernalia and guess what it was however there's a moment that we have to stand in courage isn't there yeah and and I you know we use the word fake I felt a little bit fake at that time I was a little bit scared I was like oh my lord what happens if it doesn't happen all of that flashes through your head and then through my training and again we've talked about this is a training of all these techniques we've talked about and we're just touching the surface right this is just a global discussion on these um, steps but the depth of these steps that I've lived for the past 20 years really came through and I believe had a huge um, step in in having me qualify for my fifth uh, Olympic Games in London but back to so back to my story because as Sarah said the interruption right happens well that that was in the moment I just remembered that moment I I love it so when I was 15 and playing volleyball for the first time, the first seasons, and I was making my local Queensland team, which is our state team, I had this amazing coach, Rob Bischoff, and he really was the first one to see the talent in me as a young athlete. And so he would have a team of 12 of us training, maybe even 20. Maybe he had a bigger team that he would cut down. 15-year-old girls and him and the assistant coach was a male as well and they're standing on the sideline and they're smashing volleyballs at us and we're kind of new and just beginners at this and so the whole time he's smashing volleyballs at us he's going focus focus and my brain and everyone around me is kind of like on what what this ball is moving through the air there's people all around there's your opposition there's a referee there's your own emotions you've got to get out of your own way sometimes it's like am I supposed to focus on my hip my shoulder my the ball my foot the speed my opponent where I want the ball to go like what the heck (laughs) am I supposed to focus on so I remember at a very young age um, and what I used to do to avoid the frustration now, because now I was focused on what to fo- trying to find what to focus on, <laughs> and it was paralyzing so- sometimes. It didn't focus on anything. So what I did in my own head was turn the word focus around to turn it backwards. And I know it, for all of you 
who are English majors. It doesn't spell right. I was like, but in my head, it said suck off. Suck off. I was like, right? So suck off. So the coach would say focus and I would go suck off. (laughs) And then I would just laugh and it would release and then I would breathe again. (laughs) And then I would kind of suck off on something else, whether it was, you know, my teammate that did something good or, and, and focus in volleyball, really, all you have to focus on is the ball. Right, and getting the ball to the right spot. But as you get that was at fifteen, as you get better, there are so many more idiosyncrasies to focus and really turn your attention to, bring your awareness to, depending on the result you want. So much so that ten, fifteen years later, when I'm playing with Kerry for the Olympics, we are focused on or our attention is on the flight of the ball off our arms, not just the ball, right? It's the ball, the flight, the spin, how the spin and trajectory relate so that the next contact can be the best. So we used to focus on then bettering the ball. So as you start as a beginner, the focus is on how to get the ball in the right spot and focus will shift throughout this journey. Turning your attention on what you need to turn your attention or awareness to will shift depending on where you are in your map. I'm so glad you shared that story because you haven't often even heard t- that one. No, I haven't actually. I was it's thinking, in my book. You I should have read it. Oh, yeah, there you go. I have read your book, yeah. but too long Maybe ago. You didn't Cle- fo- clearly, you didn't focus on that. Bit. Clearly, yeah, I wasn't focused on suck off because I don't remember <laughs> that part. Um, but the thing that you brought up is that often, especially when we're young, we're yelling at kids to focus or concentrate, but we don't tell them how to do it. And that's what we really want to get into today is really thinking about if this is so important, this glue, this adhesive, well, how the heck do you do it? And so much so that now when you said focus on the ball later in life, when you had your gold medal winning coach, Steve Anderson, come in the picture, he had you train without the ball because it was the great distractor. So isn't that ironic? That's huge. So we will be asking um, when the conversation continues with our monk friend, Dan Dapani, he will really be covering off some of these ideas about focus and how you do it. Because when I think about it, focus in my life and how have I trained it and, and how have I actually fine-tuned it, I truly believe that it's the different, it was a difference between me being an amateur and a professional. And this was, in sport, I so recognized that my skill wasn't in... The height. I didn't have the same skill as a lot of my opponents from different countries. And I'll, I so remember warming up in one of my very first events. I think I was in Japan playing France. And this team gets up to the net and they are just smashing the ball. And me and my beach volleyball partner are smaller than everybody else. And, you know, we're doing our thing, but it's not looking good for us. And let's just say they won the warm up. Thank goodness that's not when they count the points. And after we won that match, I remember thinking, how the heck did we do that? And then as I looked around, I noticed that the difference between people that were struggling and those that were winning was focus and concentration and amount of time, like how long you could string that together. Because some people could focus and concentrate for a couple points. Then it's like 
their mind just went adrift for a little bit. It was like their minds were on something else and then you could score a whole bunch of points against them and next thing they look up and the score line is in your favor. It's like people don't even know what happened. So I I quickly realized that focus was going to be something that could be my asset because I definitely didn't have some of the physical height. I didn't have some of the other things. So I needed to work on the things I could control. So one of the ways I did that was I began a yoga practice and I remember living in Adelaide and rocking up to this yoga studio by myself. And (laughs) it was always, for me, the most interesting poses were the balance poses. And there's a very common one called the tree pose. And I often thought that it was about the shape of my body, but I soon came to realize that that pose was all about focus and concentration, which to me was the breath. So the more that I found a stable stationary point somewhere off in the distance, so my eye line was looking at a point, and in yoga they call it your drishti point. I have no idea how to write that. Um, In my notes I tried to write drishti, but I don't know how to write it. So anyways, for all you yogis out there, your drishti point. And as I looked for that drishti, it was like another limb. It was like You know, instead of holding on to a pole, it was like my gaze was holding on to that spot and it stabilized me. I could see, I remember this, it's so funny. You see people all around you falling over, tripping, like, what's the word, like almost shaking a little bit. And you, I can see that in my peripheral vision, but my point of focus is so clear and I am like anchored into that spot, my body my breath in and out, and my core is like anchored there as if it's another limb on my body to that wall where I'm focused. So this was a clear training mechanism for how do I bring my awareness back? Because sometimes I would see somebody falling. And even though I wasn't looking at them, my attention would go over there And I would feel a little bit off balance. I'd start to lean and then I'd have to course correct and I'd have to get back into position, realize that my awareness had come off that point. And it doesn't even matter what you're looking at. It's where your awareness is. So training your awareness in ways that are outside your primary area, like even if if you're always at the workplace, you want to be working on concentration and focus in other areas of your life. Yeah, so for us in volleyball, we, instead of trying to bring our awareness or our focus or our attention to something in volleyball all the time, because that's where we're spending uh, most of our training, our coach would take us to the archery range. So mm-hmm. we would laser focus, and a drist is similar, a mm-hmm. laser focus, pinpoint focus on shooting the bullseye with mm-hmm. the arrow. Then he would take us to a pistol shooting range, which is a similar thing. Um, now, recently, Sarah and I and Jordan have been learning how to ski. I mean, Sarah's clearly a better skier. She would need to be being Canadian. That's but, on recording. But I, I am, um, as an Aussie beach volleyballer, learning how to be a skier. And the instructor said to me, uh, why do you turn? And I, I said... I said, because I want to slow down, right? And and I want to go around the corner to slow down so I'm not going straight down the mountain. And where do I look when I turn, right? And and my 
concentration or awareness had to turn to the other side of the mountain rather than me as a beginner, guess where my concentration and awareness was before I had a lesson? On my skis and on the snow because that's where I was worried I was going to end up. But as soon as he had me hold my chest high, now talk about posture, mm. and and tall, which is a tree pose too, funny how they all work together, and look, gaze and turn my attention to the other side of the mountain, funnily enough, my skis and body would go there mm. as well. Mm. So it is crucial that we keep our eye on this dristy, whatever we choose, which for me is our dream, right? So the dristy point can be the dream and you keep that solid. And it doesn't mean you're not going to wobble in the wind on a tree pose. It doesn't mean like a flight, um, a pilot, your course is going to not change direction. It will. But the dristy focus point continues to stay on the dream. And if you think what you're saying, that is such a good point about, I love that the dream is that focal point because in a way, physics say that the body actually never comes to rest. You're constantly making little adjustments. And what I think occurs is that initially when you're trying to balance, you fall over. So these are very big macro gross movements. And then as you begin to practice your awareness and bringing it back, it's like micro movements that are almost not visible to the eye. However, physics says that you're always in movement, you know, you are moving, but you're almost like reducing the the bigness of the movement. So I would say that's our goal with the dream as well. And it's like a vortex. It's going to suck you in. And, sure. and I'm using skiing as an analogy because you'll probably be sick of hearing volleyball and we're, we're right <laughs> in the middle of this. But sometimes you're going downhill and it's quite steep and you're going fast. Other times you actually have to work hard and uh, walk in your skis, which is really challenging and it's a bit uphill. So the course is changing dimensions and trajectory and geographics all the time. But when you remain focused on your dream mm -hmm. and it kind of pulls like a magnetic force. And here's one I like to use. It's like, imagine you're a heat-seeking missile, right? Really think about that. You're a heat-seeking missile. When that is launched... It doesn't get halfway across the ocean and go, I'm tired. I don't really like this anymore and I'm going to go home. It might be decide it's in the wrong place and have to course correct and do loop-de-loops and circle back around, but it never, ever, ever loses sight of its end point. And the heat to me in a heat-seeking missile is the burning desire, you know, like having the passion and purpose. And in a way, I love that we're introducing this focal point or this drishti point or the dream because without that, focus doesn't make sense. It's like they belong together. So, so one precedes the other. Like one comes first, that point, and then focus. So I'm really, if, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh my gosh, I haven't even listened to that, that dream stuff yet, I really encourage you to do that. And, and do the worksheets, you know, go to the group and in the community, bit.ly slash the Nat and Sarah show. And in the file section, we've, we've put those worksheets for you. You can start to build your journal because now that we've done the three steps, all your worksheets are there, but they are in that order for a reason. So and after this episode, after Dan Dapani, when the conversation continues, you will have your full 
journal that you will be able to continue to evolve as your focus shifts. And the, the, the other part, Sarah, that's really crucial is the paradox here. People, uh, over my career, people have wondered why I've focused on the dream, which is the gold medal, right? There's this process versus outcome focus. And the paradox I love here is that I always kept the dristy of the dream of the Olympic gold medal whilst bringing my attention and awareness and focus to the actions, the daily actions or the tasks at hand, like making contact with the volleyball when I do a dig, right? That's technical. But that's whilst maintaining my dristy on the dream. So there's always this, I say you're never balanced, you're always balancing. You're always, you're never focused, you're focusing and you're bringing your attention in and you you just depending on where you are in the phase of you achieving your dream is to where your attention or awareness has to flow, right? Because Dan Dapani, hopefully he'll talk about, and, and we know Dan Dapani quite well, hopefully he will talk about where your energy goes is where where your awareness, awareness goes, goes, energy flows. Energy flows. So let's see if he brings, does he bring, will he bring that up, do you think? Well, I'm sure because that's from his guru, so... So the thing, like, like I just realized, back it up just a second here, because I we need to, I think, include the word meditation here, because the definition of meditation is focusing on one singular thing. I'm sure Dandapani will clarify that even further, but this idea that focusing on one singular thing, a lot of people assume that meditation is about breathing, but that is just one the breath is one singular thing to focus on. You could focus on something else singularly. So meditation is a beautiful way of training the mind, just like a muscle. So training the mind to stay on course. And I love this book I read years ago called Turning the Mind into an Ally. The title is so good because the mind is powerful, but it can be powerful against you, for or against. So how do you make it your ally? How do you get it in alignment with what you're doing? So that book, by the way, is written, <laughs> this author's, the name is Sakyong Mifem, Mifem, sorry if I butchered that, butchered that. Um, but he says, here's a quote from him about the book. So many of us are slaves to our minds. Our mind is our worst enemy. We try to focus and our mind wanders off. We try to keep stress at bay, but anxiety anxiety keeps us awake at night. We try to be good to the people we love, but then we forget them and put ourselves first. And when we want to change our life, we dive into spiritual practice and expect quick results, only to lose focus after the honeymoon is worn off. We return to our state of bewilderment. We're left feeling helpless and discouraged. It seems we all agree that training the body through exercise, diet, and relaxation is a good idea, but why don't we think about training our minds? And what I love about this quote is this idea that we try to focus and our mind wanders off because most of us are actually trained in distraction. We actually, like I think about this a little bit with, you know, having a three-year-old daughter and I think, you know what? In so, in some ways, we train her to be distracted. She didn't start out that way. You know, it's just constantly, the world is always moving her around. And it's like, instead of training the mind to focus, we're training it to be distracted. 
So, yeah, in the beginning, all she did was stare at us. We were her dristy. And mm. then now, and we, were, and we were so busy moving ourselves all around. She's one big ball of distraction. So, so something to think about, you know, I believe anyways, that we are the source of our parenting. You know, we are the source of, of all of that. So it's really a powerful place to stand if you want to make a change in your life as a parent. So how do we bring ourselves back to center? And one of the things Nat and I, she really looked at me and she's like, okay, so when you're off, when things aren't going well, what do you do? And I said to her, this is such a good question because it's something that I haven't been doing lately and I need to remember it because it's so powerful. She thought it was a bit weird, but it works for me. And I always think, weird, whatever works and whatever we do, we just give it to you guys and you can try it on like a pair of jeans. Sometimes they fit. Sometimes you look horrific in them, whatever. So try this on for yourself. When things, when you feel yourself spiraling a little bit, Imagine yourself like the blue dot on the GPS. You know, when you're, well, I have an iPhone. On my iPhone, it's a blue dot. I don't know what the Android does. But basically, this idea of how to get yourself back to center, back to the present, is about reminding yourself, who am I right here, right now? So I would say to myself, when I feel like I'm spiraling, I I would say to myself, Sarah Maxwell, you're 42 years old. You're in Switzerland. You're in Lutri. Right now, you have a three-year-old daughter. You've been in your relationship for 18 years. You got married to the same person twice. <laughs> and I start just going through, who am I right here, right now? Now, this is why Nat thinks it's wacky, but this is why it's actually powerful. It's because in that moment, when I tell myself that I'm 42, and I'm a mother of a three-year-old, and I've been in a relationship for that long, and I've lived, I stop running the stories of my subconscious, like all of that stuff of being a 14 year old, because most of the outbursts that we have, we're like little kids. We're having like a tantrum. So it stops the tantrum because who the heck's having tantrums at 42? Like it just kind of cuts through the murk because that's what it is. It's just like a load of crap, really. So to me, just like the dot on the GPS, the blue dot is always where you are right now. Yeah, so it I'm, helps. I'm 44 and I have tantrums and I, <laughs> I'm going to give you the man cave response, right? So for me to bring myself back to center, I kind of retreat and I need to be alone and I kind of give myself a little bit of time to indulge and then I bounce myself out by doing things that make me feel good. So for me, it's going to see a movie. I love go-kart riding, racing. I love going down the lake here in Lutri. And, and just being in a space where I can bring my center and fill my cup back up, right, and be around people that support and care about me, okay? So so we'll have different ways to bring ourselves back to center. There's two ways. Um, so feel free in um, the Facebook group too to throw in some of the ways you like to bring yourself back to center. Of course, yoga and meditation, like I said to Sarah, if I sat down when I wasn't feeling great and tried to meditate, I'd eat my own mind. So that's probably I, I probably need to increase my practice in that. But clearly, clearly, her, she she needs some blue dot training. But you know the thing that we recognize in these three steps, the pre step and the post step here, is that it's like we've just scratched the surface. And part of you know part of me is like, oh my gosh, we have to say more, we have to do more, we have to give them longer worksheets. And so in that calling, what I love about that is it means that there is 
a way to give you a step-by-step approach, almost like a sequential learning style. So some of you are listening to podcasts out of order. Of course, it's natural. You're just coming to the show in different ways. But there's some of you that are like, you know what? I'm ready. I want to take this on. So people have been asking us for more. So we have created an online course, a 12-week online course. And, you know, as we fine-tune that online course, it's really about giving you the full meal deal that you can sit down, do it in your time, in your sequence, and, and I guess it's basically giving you everything that we can in a very organized fashion. And it goes the deeper layers, like the more dimensions that we continue to talk about and gives you the time and the space to be able to work on that. So like literally when I was, when I'm drawing up some of the worksheets for you guys, I I put in like about 20 more things and then I'm like, no, hold on. That's too much. We just got to let people get the ball rolling. So for those of you that the ball is rolling this other stuff will really be for you. And then someone's asked us if we would do a live mapping workshop, like if we would workshop this in person. So, so we said, hell no. Just kidding. <laughs> no worry. Yes, we're teaching Jordan all about saying yes and focusing on yes. So look out for that in Australia too towards the end of the year. When we're, yeah, when we're back in Australia. So for those of you that are in Europe and want a trip to Australia, there's a good reason. Woo! And if you're Aussie and you're like, bummer. Don't say that. You live in such a good country. So, so yes. Um, so our next series that we wanted to follow up these steps with is entrepreneurship. And why that? Like, why are we following up a series on manifestation with entrepreneurship, Matt? Well, when you have these big dreams and these big goals and these big visions, you then go – you can then have two choices. One is that's impossible in the current reality I sit in. It is not possible for me, which of course that's the story you've just written and you continue to repeat over and over. Or the second option or possibility is that your brain starts to search for a vehicle and the how can you change, enhance, influence your situation for you to be able to live this dream. So we're pretty excited. We've got an amazing lineup of in our conversation continues with very successful entrepreneurs who have taken their dreams, have mapped them, have acted as if they're doing all these manifestation steps and they've monetized it. Like I think that that's what's really interesting. So the conversation around money is going to come up for a lot of people. And so that's what we're excited about. We just want to face that head on and really open that up, crack it open, because we feel that a lot of people have this umbrella up. And it means that, you know, it's raining. And in this example, the rain is like financial abundance. It wants to rain on you. But with this umbrella up, a little bit of a block. So we hope that with this entrepreneur series that some of you will recognize that you've got an umbrella up, take it down and start to drink in the rain. And look out to blow your mind because our amazing guest interviewees have some very expansive thinking. They will challenge some of your concepts. They'll be out there. They'll stretch your mind. And a mind stretched cannot return to its original shape. Ooh. 
So Nat has said one clever thing for 2019. So now you can rest. I can rest. You can rest. So over and out from this first series on manifestation, it's been a pleasure. We loved getting things started rolling for 2019. Don't forget to check out the Facebook Lives in the group and please comment. Please add stuff. Please talk to us. We really want to hear from you. Over and out, dreamers. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Don't forget to join the community at bit.ly slash the Nat and Sarah show to download your three-step journal and participate in weekly lives found only in our private group. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You've got to rate and review the show. And I know all the podcasts are always asking this. And in the past, I wasn't doing it. And the reason I wasn't doing it is because I actually didn't know how to do it. So open your podcast player and click on our show from your library, not the listen now. That's where I was going wrong in the past. So now that you know how to do it, when you go there, make sure you give us a five-star review. Five stars, five stars, five stars. And then click on write a review link to actually write a review so that you can tell other people that we're legit and even funny, maybe a bit serious. So if you want to recommend this to someone, you have to put your fingers on the keys and send us a review. Thanks.